How many of you, don't raise your hands, would consider yourself claustrophobic? If you don't know, how do you feel when you get in an elevator? Do you just like to just sit around and or are you quick to get out? Recently, I read a story. This happened several years ago, but I read a story this week about a man who was in New York City and he was stuck in an elevator for 41 hours. You may have read that story. He went in there about 11 o'clock on a Friday night. His co-workers thought that he was going to go outside for a break. Instead, he went into the elevator and got stuck on all floors, the 13th floor. And as he was there and midnight went by and the shift ended, he was there at the business and no one else was there. Now the weekend came around and there were some maintenance workers and they actually checked some of the other elevators, but they chose not to check this elevator. In fact, this elevator also had cameras. And at four o'clock on Sunday afternoon, as they're looking at the cameras, they thought, there's somebody in there as this gentleman was lying on the floor, having been there for 41 hours with no water, no drink, all he had on him was a pack of Rolades. They may have come in handy, I don't know. (laughs) But he was stuck for 41 hours. And he made it out alive. Many of us, including myself, I don't know what we would have done. I would have probably have tore off every piece of concrete separating me from I don't know where. Being claustrophobic. But even more important than that is not the fear of being stuck in an elevator. It's the fear of walking through life with an unforgiving heart. That's scary. In fact, that is something that is totally contrary to the nature of Almighty God. The book of Philemon never mentions the word forgiveness. But it is painted all throughout this small book about what love and forgiveness is all about. Forgiveness and Christianity go side by side. We are Christians because Jesus first forgave us at the cross when we accepted Him as our personal Lord and Savior. This morning I want us to walk through and I want to show you what forgiveness looks like. What is forgiveness in action. The Scripture says, I want to go all the way down to verse 16, because I want to introduce another person that we didn't talk much about last week. Verse 10 says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. So there are three individuals in this short book. There's Philemon. Philemon was a businessman. Philemon was a very wealthy man. Philemon must have had a large home because the church of Colossae first started out in his home. Philemon was someone who was led to Christ by Paul. So Philemon was a very godly man. Paul, we know, is the Apostle Paul. Paul is in jail when he's writing this. Paul is in Rome. Onesimus is our third individual. Onesimus was a slave. He was the one who worked for Philemon during this time. Their slaves was very common. They were workers for many of the people that, that owned homes or the wealthy folks. And, and finally, Onesimus was one that worked. Onesimus was not a believer when he worked for Philemon. And one day, Onesimus left. He left his home. He left Philemon. And he went off to Rome. Most people believe that he probably went off to Rome because Rome is a big city just to kind of filter in and start his life over. Well, he met somehow a guy named Paul. About you, but you're not going to be across Paul very long without Paul sharing the gospel to you. And Paul shares his faith about how his life was changed to Onesimus, and Onesimus gives his life to the Lord, and he gets saved. 
somehow through that conversation, Onesimus brings up Philemon. Paul knows Philemon. Paul says, I know Philemon. I led him to the Lord years earlier. And Onesimus must have said, well, I left him. The book tells that he probably stole something. And as much as Paul would love to have Onesimus, a new believer, to minister to him while he's in jail, Paul knows that Onesimus needs to go back home. Onesimus, there's some unfinished business that you need to go back and do. There is great risk for sending Onesimus back home. There were things in the Bible called slave traders. And the slaves that would go out of their home would be caught, many of them even put to death. There was a risk for Philemon because Philemon had the freedom to do whatever he wanted to when it comes to punishment for Onesimus. There were slaves who were crucified for far less crimes than stealing something. And Paul also knew Philemon was a godly man. So Philemon shows us, and Paul paints this picture of what forgiveness looks like. Forgiveness in action. So look back, if you will, at verse number 8. The Scripture says, Therefore I might be very bold, Paul says, in Christ, to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the agent, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. The first one is about forgiveness and action, is that forgiveness is an act of generosity. Forgiveness is an act of of generosity. Christians are generous people. Christ generously gave us His life, but not just His life, but His love and His joy and His mercy and His grace. And we are a byproduct byproduct of that. Therefore, we display generosity. Paul says, look, I want to come to you, Philemon, because you are a generous man. Paul says, I could come to you as an apostle, and the authority that an apostle brings, he said, but instead, I come to you in love. Philemon, I'm coming to you because we are brothers in Christ. And there is a bond within the family of God. There is a bond and a unity of the Holy Spirit of God. Paul says, I'm coming to you with that love because you are a generous person. Paul says, I come to you as a very aged minister. Paul and Philemon were very close in age. So this is not talking about age through years, but a chronological lifestyle. Paul had been through so much. Even his testimony of once being a murderer and being saved on the road to Damascus and how his life, and he spent 14 years after he was saved before God opened up that door for him to be a missionary of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, look, I've been there and we're coming together by the love of Jesus because you are a generous person. This morning, if there is a struggle with generosity, whether it is giving love, giving joy, giving encouragement, I encourage you to follow the ways of the Holy Spirit of God in your life because Christians are generous people. In fact, they are the most generous people in all the world. We give out so much, we need to give out forgiveness as well. No matter what the cost, no matter what the price, we forgive unconditionally 
because Jesus forgave us. It's an act of generosity. In fact, the Bible talks in several passages about being generous to other people. Matthew 5, verse 7, Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Matthew 6, 12, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. If you forgive, Matthew 6, 14 and 15, if you forgive men for their transgression, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive you your transgressions. It's a sobering reality that when Christians refuse to forgive, they refuse the blessings of God. All of us want God's blessing. All of us want God's anointing and God's favor in our life. And that comes through forgiveness. And those who choose not to forgive choose to forfeit the greatest blessing in life. And that's the blessing of Almighty God. And the blessing of a forgiving heart. So it's an act of generosity. We forgive even if the other person is not wanting to forgive. You remember two instances, of course, the one that brings in our mind is Jesus. He forgave on the cross when the ones who were crucifying Him did not want to forgive. You remember Stephen, the first Christian martyr, Acts chapter 7, as he's being murdered and being stoned to death. He said, Father, do not let that sin be on them. Don't let them pay that price. Father, forgive them for that. Even though the ones who were throwing the stones did not want forgiveness. We as Christians forgive regardless of the other person or the other circumstance. We forgive because we want to get out of the elevator. We want to get unstuck. We want to get out of our own prison. We want to set our hearts free and let God take care of the rest. It's an act of generosity. But number two, is it's an act of generosity, but it's an act of the Gospel. It's an act of the Gospel. The Scripture says in verse number 10, Paul says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. Now what's very interesting here is Paul never says what Onesimus did. He doesn't say, now Onesimus has done this, this, and this. He has confessed it all. He just says, I'm appealing to you that you welcome back Onesimus. Now next week, and even at the end of this message, in verse 17 and 18, there's, there's a, uh, a part there where it sounds like he owes, Paul, owes Philemon something, but he never says what Onesimus did. He just says, I appeal to you that you, my son whom I have begotten while I changed, who was once unprofitable now, but now is profitable to you and to me. I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart. I wonder if Paul even knew what Onesimus did. Maybe all Onesimus said is, I wronged Philemon. I did wrong. And I need to go back. Paul said, that's enough. That's all I got to hear. As long as you're willing, I'll write a letter. Onesimus is going to take this letter from Rome where Paul is at and take it with his friend Tychicus and go back to where, uh, Paul, where Philemon is. And Philemon is going to read this letter with Onesimus standing right in front of him. How would you respond to that? Onesimus, the one who needs forgiveness, is standing right in front of his master. The master has every right to kill him. As he's reading this letter from his friend Paul, he says, I appeal to you, my son Onesimus, whom I've begotten in my chains. He was once unprofitable, but now he is profitable to you. It's an act of the gospel. He says three things about Onesimus. Number one, in verse 10, he calls him my son. 
He's coming back a changed man. He's coming back saved. You get saved, everything in the past is the past. Everything in the past has been forgiven. Christ opens up a new life. Christ gives evidence of a new life. And Paul says, I appeal to you for my son, not the slave, but my son Onesimus. There's an evidence of salvation, but not just the salvation, but there's a change of character. Because it says here in verse 11, he says he was once unprofitable to you, but now he is profitable to you and to me. Guess what the word Onesimus means? Profitable. Philemon knew that. Everybody knew what names meant. That's the reason why you were named. By what it meant. And as Philemon is reading this, and Paul says, there's a man standing in front of you who was once unprofitable, but now he is profitable. Onesimus, is his name means Profitable. So he has a change in character, not just in his salvation, but also in what he did. He said at one time he was unprofitable. He was lost. He didn't know how to act. But now he is profitable, not just to you, Philemon, but also to me. Receive him back. He's now unprofitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart. That word heart is the same word we learned last week about the seat of emotions. It's the bowels. He said, I'm sending myself through Onesimus. Onesimus is my brother in Christ. And I'm sending him back as if it's my own heart. Philemon, I want you to receive him back. Christians, when somebody, when another Christian harms you or does something to you on behalf of all of the other Christians, forgive. We forgive. And everyone else in this room who who may be there on the sidelines to encourage, because all of us have been there, I ask you to receive Him back. To receive her back. To receive the heart of Christ and the heart of the church. To break out of that prison and to forgive. Forgiveness is something you can't do on your own. Nobody can forgive apart from walking in the Holy Spirit of God. So if you say, Brother John, I just can't forgive. What's needed there is not something to change in your circumstance. What needed is, is your life in the Word of God. You cannot get in the Word of God very long until you are introduced to a Savior who forgave us unconditionally and gives us the power to go out and to forgive others. It's not about circumstances. It's about a change that takes place when you give your life to Jesus and when you give your life to Christ as you begin to grow in Christ in your walk with the Lord. It's an act of the gospel of Christ. He says in verse 12, I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me. Paul says, I would love to have him here. He's a great encourager. He's a child of God. He's a son of God now. He says, but on your behalf, he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. He says, but without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. See, Onesimus was still owned by Philemon. He says, Paul Paul says, I I don't want to do anything without your consent that your good deed might not be by compulsion as it were, but but voluntarily. Paul says, I don't want to make you forgive Onesimus. I want you to volunteerly do that. I want to make sure this is what you want. It's your choice. So Paul is basically saying, now receive Onesimus back. He's coming back. 
All I want you to do is to receive Him and voluntarily forgive Him. Has anybody ever forgiven you of something and you didn't deserve it? How does it make you feel? Makes you feel like you're somebody. Makes you feel appreciative. Makes you feel encouraged. Makes you feel like you can make a difference in this world when something you did was wrong and somebody stretched out their hand of grace and forgave you. Notice what verse 14 says, But without your consent I want to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion as it were by voluntary. Look at verse 15. For perhaps, this is my favorite verse in all the book of Philemon, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive Him forever. Aren't you glad that when the devil does something to try to interfere with God's to always make it good? There's a verse like that in Genesis chapter 50 in the story of Joseph, what the devil meant for good, for evil, God meant for good. So here's a slave trader who has stolen something evidently, has run away from his master, is now in Rome, and God in His providence and in His sovereignty somehow introduces him to Paul. Paul gives him salvation, gives him the relationship with Christ through the Holy Spirit. He gets saved and he wants to go back. And maybe Paul says, maybe this was part of God's plan. Not him stealing something, but as he's running away, God says, I'm going to do something here. I want to I work through Paul, but I also want to work through Philemon. And I'm going to cause through, through my work Onesimus to give his life to the Lord and to go back to Philemon, not as a slave, but as a son of God. And as Onesimus comes back, and he takes out his hand and maybe shakes the hand of Philemon, he can look at his master and say, not just master, but he can say, brother in Christ. Isn't that the ultimate thing that we want to see in our life is the salvation of individuals? Is the salvation, see people come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior? Of course it is. Of course it is. Verse 15, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but much more than a slave, a beloved brother in Christ. Especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and also in the Lord. It's an act of the gospel. But number three, it's an act of grace. It's an act of grace. Onesimus should have been blamed for his actions. They were illegal. They were unethical. Yet God changed him through the salvation. And grace, never forget that grace is always greater than sin. And there's not a person in this room that that, that does not need the grace of God. We all do. What if all of us flew to San Diego? Now some of you would have to drive because you don't want to fly. We'll wait on you. So we all get to San Diego. And we all get to the ocean. And this is our mission as a church family. We're going to swim to Hawaii. 2,521 miles. Some of you would say, well, I can do that. I can go about 20. I can go about 22. I've been watching Michael Phelps. I've been watching those guys. I can do it. Some of you say, well, I'm going to try my best. I may go a mile. Some of us will last the first wave or two and give up. 
Some of you may go a little further. Some of you may go a little bit further. Some of you may go to the 15 mile, the 20 mile. But guess what all of us are going to do? We're going to come up short. See, it's not how far you can go. It's that you can't get to the destination. It's not how much you can work to get to heaven. It's that you can't work enough to get to heaven. It's not that you don't do big sins or little sins or not enough sins or the bad sins. It's just that the holiness of God is absolutely perfect and all of us fall short of His glory and His throne and His holiness. So all of us need God's grace. When God looks upon us, He doesn't look at different comparisons of individuals. He looks upon humanity as sinners. All the same. Sinners. That's why Jesus Christ, when He came and left heaven's throne, He came to die for who? Sinners. Not the bad ones. Not the good ones. Not the hope-sos. Not the maybe-sos. Not the wannabes. He died for all. He died for sinners. It's an act of grace. And just like Christ forgave you, you too can forgive someone else because of what Jesus has done for you. But number four, look what the Scripture says in verse 17. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. So number four, it's an act of giving. Forgiveness in action is an act of giving. It's an act of generosity, an act of the gospel, an act of grace, and an act of giving. Onesimus had no job. So if he stole something, whether it was money or something of monetary value, he could not pay that back. So Paul's saying, if he owes you anything, I'll take care of that. Put that on my account. Don't, don't make that any type of pressure for you, Philemon. I'll take care of that. If he owes you anything at all, I'll take care of his debt. It shows how godly Paul was but also showed how much he wanted this relationship to work out. Paul says, I'll take care of it all. I'm sending him back. If he owes you anything, I'll take care of that. Philemon had every right to demand restitution from Onesimus. It was not wrong to be gracious. It was just wrong just to forgive the debt altogether. That's not wrong. It's not wrong to demand it. If it's right... But it's also not wrong just to say, you know what, just put that under the blood. God will take care of that. See, forgiveness is an act of giving in our own life. When I was a couple of weeks before my sixth birthday, 1984, I was talking to my parents about salvation and the gospel. At that age, there was a lot more questions than there were answers. Uh, I was not at the age where I could define the Trinity. Guess what? I'm 38 and I still can't. <laughs> I just believe in it by faith. Amen. But there were so many questions I had about salvation, so I met with the pastor, with my mom and dad. I still remember the Bible that my mom, it was my mom's Bible, it was a maroon. She taught me right. Um, maroon. She didn't know. She wasn't a state fan. But, you know, just train up a child in the way that he should go. And in the end, he will not depart from it. So, 
It was a maroon NIV Bible. And the reason why I bring that up, this is 1984. That was the first year NIV Bible had come up. And I didn't know that, but looking back, I thought that's pretty neat. So she showed me through the gospel with my dad what it means to be saved. And they were hesitant because I was young, but you never, never prevent a child from coming to Christ if God's working in their heart. So we met before the pastor and he talked, walked me through and asked me questions about the gospel and I was able to answer every question except what faith was. And that was the only question I couldn't answer. He had to answer that for me and he showed me through Scripture what faith meant. And I understand that the best that I could as a five, almost six-year-old boy. And that night I gave my life to Jesus. That night I bowed down with my mom and my dad and the pastor of Oak Haven, Memphis, Tennessee. And I got on my knees and I said, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Even as a almost six-year-old boy, I was a sinner. Oh, I knew what sin was. I had a twin brother. I knew all about sin. But I opened up my heart and I said, God, I'm a sinner. And as I've grown in my faith, I don't know what happens when somebody calls upon the name of the Lord. But I can almost hear something like this. God, I'm a sinner. And it's as if Jesus, who's at the right hand of the Father, interceding on my behalf, says, Father, I'll take His debt. He can't do enough to get here. Put that on me. See, I died for that young boy's sin. And here he is calling out, asking for forgiveness. He doesn't deserve forgiveness. He has done nothing to earn forgiveness. Whatever he owes, put that on me. And I'll put it up under the blood. And I'll wash it away as white as snow. And the reason why you can forgive today and offer something, a debt, that you may not even know is because that's exactly what Jesus did for you. When you come and invite Him to be your Lord and Savior, He says, I'll take care of that debt. Whatever He owes, I'll take care of that. And that's exactly what He did on the cross. If you want to see somebody forgive, look nothing more than to Jesus. Because He forgave you. And He forgave me. Let's, let's bow in prayer. As we pray today, I ask if God has spoken to your heart. You may be here this morning and you don't have that relationship with Christ. There's nothing more you need to hear this morning that God loves you. He sent His Son Jesus to die for you. And today He wants to forgive you if you would just open up your heart and say, Lord, I come before You and I repent of my sins. And I invite You to come in my heart. It's as if Jesus is saying, I'll take care of that man's sin. I'll forgive him all. I'll take care of his debt. Friend, that's what salvation is all about. And I challenge you this morning, if you've never made that decision to trust in Him and to follow Him, would you do that today? Would you do that today? In just a moment, we have an invitation. You can step out where you're at. And I'll meet you down here in the front. 
Say, Brother John, I, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I need forgiveness today. I need to learn how to walk in Him. He'll save you today if you'll let Him. There may be others who may be struggling with forgiveness, struggling with trying to extend the hand of grace. Would you let go of that today? Would you give it to the Lord and allow Him to work in your life just as if He's working in the life of someone else? Let it go and give it to God and let, get out of that elevator, get out of that prison so you can walk in the freedom that Christ has given you in Christ. You may be a guest today. This may be where Christ is leading you to come to be a part of this church and to be able to serve and to grow in your faith. If God's leading you, you can come and we'll welcome you with open arms. Let's stand together as we sing.